It's difficult to get through life and not be affected by cancer. Whether you hear the words, you have cancer, or someone you know, cancer is part of us all. When confronted, where do you turn? What are the treatment options? What happens next? C-Sessions with Randall Broad seeks to answer the questions with patients, physicians, providers, policy experts, and key individuals skilled in providing answers. In the process, C-Sessions improves communication on both sides of the stethoscope. Welcome to C-Sessions. I'm your host, Randall Broad. We have the pleasure of having the founder CEO of Swelter. It's a new company founded by Rebecca Owens. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Randy. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Tell us a little bit about Swelter. First, I just want to say thank you for this opportunity to be with C-Sessions. I've listened to quite a few of your podcasts, just an awesome initiative to help bring more awareness around solutions and people that are trying to change and improve the, the cancer journey. Swelter is a, what we call a patient immersion application. We are an early stage company, but with a lot of experience behind us in, in the 20 plus years that me and my colleagues have been in this space and trying to build various applications. So when we finally sat down and said, how do we really start to take our knowledge and apply it to changing and improving the cancer journey? Thing that's missing is this gap in exchange of information between the physician and the patient at the most critical time. And that is when a patient shows up for their initial diagnosis. I would say that we started Swelter this year, uh, really in January. So we're moving quick and fast in building this application. That's quick. But as you say, you've got a lot of years behind you. You've been in this world and inhabit it. And obviously you didn't just wake up one night and go, oh, we got to be able to improve communication on both sides of the stethoscope. That's <laughs> my tagline, as you know. So this is a perfect fit. That's why I'm really happy to have you here and to hear, hear more about what Swelter is doing. Give me a little more impetus behind this, the startup aspect. I have been in cancer diagnostics specifically. When I say that, that is laboratory medicine for the last 20 years. Really in the last 12 years when the Affordable Care Act hit, I started evaluating what does this mean for cancer care? What does it mean for laboratories who do phenomenal testing for patients and, and great diagnosis, but how are they going to have to think about clinical evidence and clinical medicine as it pertains to the way in which oncologists and the all the stakeholders really in healthcare are dealing with that information. And so I started looking at systems, meaning laboratory information systems, EHRs, EMRs, radiology, all the systems and all the stakeholders that were part of the care journey. And within that, I saw a huge disconnect and that was how laboratory data was translated from the laboratory to the physician and then from the physician to the patient. And you can imagine there's several things that can go awry, but for me specifically, I was looking at the data exchange and how it was being utilized. And so I've been spending the last really five years in trying to build different initiatives and ways that we could approach streamlining the exchange of the aggregation of data and then using that for research. So here we ended up at Swelter with kind of a different, more patient-facing model. Very interesting. So Swelter, how'd you come up with Swelter? It must well, be swell to be Swelter, but I just was curious. 
It's, it's kind of a funny story in a sense. I stole the name for, I say, from my partner, my fiance, but Matt, my fiance, is a stage four melanoma survivor. He's now six years past, no evidence of disease. And he has a very unique journey. And so we came up with this idea that we were going to build this platform to facilitate helping patients get back to wellness as, as where they wanted to get to in their, in their journey post-care. And unfortunately, COVID hit and the, the company just sat. When I started rethinking about the approaches I was taking with educating physicians and patients, he said, why don't you take Swelter and use it? And amongst my colleagues and myself, we said, you know, it still means the same. Swelter still means this journey to wellness, that it doesn't have to be that you're sick, but rather than how do I get well? And so we decided to keep the name Swelter for this platform. Exactly what is the product that you're selling or you're going to be selling? layman's terms, if you will. So if I'm a person off the street that doesn't speak oncology speak. Yeah, great questions. A lot of people have asked me what, Rebecca, what do you mean by patient immersion? I've heard a lot of terms around patient engagement. And I, I have an argument to say that most patients are engaged in their care. That doesn't mean that they're completely ignorant or, or not doing what the doctor says. Like my father, he says, well, Rebecca, I'm taking my medicines when I'm supposed to. I'm showing up for my appointments. That's not what we mean. We mean patient immersion is that you as a patient foreign to this diagnosis because you've never had to deal with this before, you have no idea what this entire landscape is. And so the only way to learn that language or the entire process is to immerse somebody in their care, just like you would in a foreign language. And they say the way to learn a foreign language is to go to that country and live there for a year. Well, nobody wants to live in cancer for a year. So that, I mean, it's not maybe not the best analogy, but it is the way we approach this. So when we say we're immersing somebody in their care, we first drive it through the initial engagement when a patient consents to treatment in a physician's office. And we think that's a critical point in time because what you're doing as a patient is you're entrusting that clinic to take care of you. And as you leave that clinic, you have lots of questions that you didn't even think to ask, or he was talking about a radiation oncologist, but then there's a surgical oncologist. Who are all these people? What are all these terms? And so we start there by, by asking the patient, do you want to opt into receiving information about your care? And we're going to take the big assumption to say that most people would, and they start to get information about these basic terminology about their cancer, about their care team, about the drugs that are being discussed, so on and so forth. What's unique about that is on the backside, and, and that's another conversation for another day, but we're using the patient's clinical data to drive the application. So what's unique about that is like, Randy, you've had lung cancer and who knew what EGFR was and all these things that you were going through. It would be nice to say, hey, I need to receive information about my care, right? Yeah. What's going on with me? And we believe that you could only, you could take very simple clinical information and inform that immersion application to be specific to that patient. Got and it. there's plenty of information out there that we can leverage and content that we leverage to inform a patient about their specific disease. You bring up a very good point because as I've people in the world of cancer know, 
everybody's cancer is unique to that person. It's as unique as your thumbprint. It's a good starting point. And I recall with my physician in the very first meeting, I fired my first team. So this was a subsequent meeting, obviously, but he asked me at the end of the meeting, he says, so do you have any other questions? And I remember at the time saying, the only questions I have are the ones I don't know to ask right now. And he says, well, that's exactly why I'm here. And I'm going to be walking you through this process every day of the week. Anyway, that's good that you've got this platform that provides this information that people will be able, once they hear it, like you say, the very first day when they say, by the way, you have cancer, your mind pretty much goes blank. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm dying. And, and I don't even know what to do next. Right. You only hear about every other third word that the doctor says at that point, because you're thinking about your kids or your job or your life or whatever it is that's possibly going on. It's not what this doctor is communicating at that particular moment. I have to say, I cannot empathize with you specifically, Randy, because I have not had cancer. Right. And I'm highly aware of that. But I have sat alongside my dearest family members and my friends, and I've walked them through this journey side by side, showing up for their first appointment. And I've been just sorely disappointed in the lack of information that was given to them. And I And I don't say that it's anybody's fault other than it's a systemic problem of information overload, right? Whether it be the physicians, the staff, all the patients that they see, all the things that go on and transpire. But our goal is to say, how do we change that? How can we leverage technology to present more meaningful information specific to a person at the time they need it most? And I think we can do that. Walk us through the business model, if you will. When you're going out to sell Swelter to your customer base, are you going to the providers? We are. That's a great question. We are going directly to the providers because they're in the entrust, they're the entrusted care team, right? That's where a patient shows up. And, you know, again, we have to be tightly integrated with them because of leveraging the clinical data that is specific to a patient. And so we actually white label the product, meaning that it is their branded product. It is not Swelter that is patient facing and they leverage our platform as a service. So they license it. It does help the provider to organize not only their data, but it also helps them to de-risk any of the sharing of that data because the patient is consenting not only their care, but to receiving information then also enabling that clinic to share that data potentially for research as they see fit. So we're really putting the control in the patient's hands, but through the provider relationship. I would say your unique selling proposition, the value is the doctors are going to be able to better communicate effectively with their patients, quote unquote, their customers, and then share this data. Is that what I'm hearing you say this throughout their network? Yep. As they see fit, both between the patient and the provider, as far as sharing that data. The other thing that we, we believe that it does is it keeps the patient engaged in that practice as they need to be. I mean, you've chosen that team of providers because you trust them and you should be able to stay there and get all the care that you need. And what we see a lot of, especially in late stage cancer is patients are searching and going all over the place and looking for different solutions. And we think that eventually this will be a bridge to the way in which we even identify patients for clinical trials that could be cared for in the community 
that where these clinical trials haven't really been available. This is really providing the ability for community practices to really engage their patients and keep them in their care. I'm glad you brought up the clinical trial aspect because that was going to be my next question. This stands to reason that this would be very effective for anybody that would be considering a clinical trial. And I'm sure you well aware the populace, the general populace, it's still around three to 5% in the United States that actually go on a clinical trial. So anything that is out there, like what you're providing can possibly lift that bar a little bit would be a great thing. Yeah, I personally have a couple goals in this. Number one is that patients are being tested. That's a huge problem. And that is a problem that's near and dear to my heart is as novel tests come to market, they are taking about 10 years to get to patients and be available for the broader patient population. So we're taking 10 years to cover new novel biomarker testing. Part of that is also because of clinical trials. It's a data problem, it's many of problems, but I would like to personally see more patients getting tested. And we know today still that about 60% of patients who qualify for biomarker testing, such as genomic sequencing, are not being tested today. Improving that process through education, we think is important. Number two is what you said, Randy, is the clinical trials and about three to 5% of patients are going on clinical trials. Most clinical trials are run in the academic setting, but that's about 20% of the patient population. Mm -hmm. 80% of the cancer population is in the community. Right. So it's no surprise why we're, we're building this platform for the community, the broader cancer, I would say, oncology ecosystem is because of this particular problem alone is you cannot bring new novel testing or treatments to patients quicker unless we can get more patients on these trials. Right. Glad you brought up academia because I was treated at Seattle Cancer Care Alliance. At the time, obviously, like I said, I I was diagnosed in a community hospital, fairly well-renowned one, but I learned very quickly they didn't speak the kind of language I needed them to speak and moved on. And then I realized I actually had to go out and shop. And fortunately, again, I was very like everybody else that doesn't know anything about cancer, I didn't know the difference between academia and rural community hospital settings. That was amazing. And so in my advocacy work, I asked that question to anybody that's being treated outside of an academia center. Have they gotten a second opinion from an academia? And nine times out of nine, no, they haven't. And most of the time they say their doctor tells them they don't need a second opinion. And that's when I say, don't walk, run, because your good doctors will always say, yes, you do need to get a second opinion. You're a software as a service. Is that basically what I'm hearing? And so what's your immediate marketing plan when you get this off the ground? We're looking for good clinical partners, of course. We have various groups that we're talking to, and we, we validated this originally from that perspective of clinical partners and and is the community ready for this? We did validate that and confirm that yes, the community is ready for something like this. We are also, we'll be looking for content partnerships. We are not going to sit here and write all the content that's delivered to patients. So laboratories, pharmaceutical companies, basic medical terminology, those types of content providers that need to deliver education to patients and physicians. And then we will be off and running here in, in the next year with the platform and in, in those partnerships. So 
We also believe it's important to work with unique patient populations, rural communities, because this is something that we believe philosophically that a platform like this begins to build trust. And that's where we're starting. And there is a lot of distrust, especially in rural communities and the uh, different ethnicities. And we want a platform that's designed for all people. And so we will be working with some rural communities to help us launch this as well. You're looking at this on a global scale, correct? That's correct. Obviously, my passion and focus is here in the United States, given the uh, variability in our healthcare system. Family and friends and everybody who I love dearly are here in the United States. But this is a, a intended to be a global platform eventually, as we can meet the data initiatives in other countries, as well as the translations. You are cancer agnostic, correct? You're not just... That's focused. correct. Okay. Yep. Give us an idea of your platform. What is the technology under the hood? What tools are you utilizing to build this? This is a, what we call it as a platform as a service because it requires different components in order to deliver the, the dynamic capabilities of the platform. We will be in a HIPAA compliant SOC2 audited database. So whether that be Microsoft, AWS, et cetera, we are evaluating all of our, our options and best partners right now. The technology on the front end is, is developed in React. Suffice it to say that the service layers that we provide around the consent help manage the consent down to the data field level. That is a critical piece, I think, and unique to us because of our background in diagnostics and understanding, let's say, an EGFR and how many alterations exist within the EGFR gene. Well, how do you protect that kind of information? And most people don't think about that, but I've had to think about it from my background in dealing with genomics and diagnostic data. So, you know, when a patient says, I don't want my data shared, we could actually provision it down to the smallest, finest detail. So that's really important. All in all, this is healthcare compliant technology and platform, and we take all measures to make sure that that data is secured and also ported with confidence and reliability. Well, I'm not familiar with React, but it sounds like you, what you're doing is ProAct. Yeah. <laughs> you alluded a little bit to some of the diagnostic people and, and labs. What other partnerships are you viewing as essential as you get this off the ground? One, the technology partnerships are critical. One, like-minded also around security, compliance, consent, et cetera. That's kind of like a fundamental to the platform. With relationship to partnerships outside of that, the content providers are going to be key. And we want to welcome anybody who's building anything that has to do with patient education. There are a lot of really interesting and good applications. I came across one that I'll mention here on Twitter, and I saw them on Twitter. It's called the Breast Advocate. And this is a group who built an application to help inform people about their options for their breast cancer, whether it's mastectomy, et cetera, walking them through all of that. So those types of solutions are are really imperative. And I, and I think that to have a collaborative effort and bringing the most comprehensive educational materials to patients is, is going to be critical. Otherwise, we're just back to square one. What's next on your horizon? You've had this incubating in your mind and in your Petri dish for several years, but you just got launched here in January. You're, you're hitting the ground running. This is a Herculean effort, like many of the efforts in healthcare. And it is a costly one. So we are really preparing, you know, and getting all of our ducks in a row to raise capital. Here in the next four weeks, we will open up for our first round of financing. However that comes, we'll see. 
And then as we bring on the capital, we'll be off and running and, and deploying against our technology roadmap. We're just really staying focused on having these early conversations while we're building and gearing up for our next phase. I never say if, it's just a matter of when. I hear you there. How does one get a hold of Rebecca Owens and Swelter and throw money her way or ideas or partnerships, anything that's going to help accelerate this platform? Yeah, there's two ways. I've been pretty active on LinkedIn and connecting with many of people. So they can find me on LinkedIn or they can find me at Rebecca at Swelter. So it's Rebecca at Swelter with two L's, S-W-E-L-L-T-E-R.com. And those are probably the two best ways that uh, anybody can get a hold of me. So from the patient's perspective, when this diagnosis takes place, is this a phone app? Is this an app on their computer? Both? How are they going to be interacting? So it is an Android and iOS native app, but it is driven by the clinic. So as a patient calls in to schedule their first visit, typically you get documents in your email or you know when you show up at that clinic and they want you to sign your HIPAA authorization, your consent, and giving basic information to set register yourself as a patient. So in conjunction with the clinic, what you would do instead is if you made that call, the clinic would either email you a link with your a unique token ID that will stay with you forever, and you register through that link from the clinic into the application. So we basically circumvent some of the procedures that go on today with paper consent. And there are some solutions around electronic consent. We've just taken a slightly different approach, but it does get received by the patient from the clinic. HIPAA has got to be a huge aspect of this. Just touch base on that and how you're supporting it. HIPAA, it's been great for the protection of patients. There has been, as many of us have seen, issues around data, data privacy, and sharing. Without spending another hour on that topic, we have addressed and, and designed our platform to be both U.S., some of the data privacy acts, like in here in California, we have the California Consumer Data Privacy Act, and then also the European GDPR. So those are areas that give us good framework on how to manage data and how to build a system to be compliant. So all in all, I'll say that, that we follow those guidelines and then we take it one step further, I would say, by putting consent in the patient's hands and letting the patient control how that data is being used or not used. This has been enlightening. Rebecca, we are very pleased to have you doing what you're doing. When I speak to that, I'm saying that for all cancer patients, for sure. Being able to understand your diagnosis and quote unquote, your patient engagement, which you say you hear it a lot but we don't experience. This is really good. I want to thank you. I hope that this is going to help get the word out. I know I'm going to be passing it along to several entities that I'm aware of that I think could benefit and you could benefit at the same time. Randy, keep doing what you're doing. I tell people this is a, a war on cancer. And if, if it's a war on cancer, we want to align to overcome the battles and to truly win the war. And it's time. And so I greatly appreciate the work that you do, Randy, in bringing all of us together to keep fighting for this. So thank well, you. Thank you. If it helps one patient, it's worthwhile. This has been C-Sessions. I am your host, Randy Broad. And by the way, if you do like this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and share and let the world know. Thank you. Thank you for listening to C-Sessions. If you love this podcast, please give us a five-star rating. That helps us get seen. Share with your friends, family, coworkers, 
anybody who might be affected by cancer, which, as we know, is actually everybody. Thank you for rating and sharing this podcast. 